Hello, I'm Beatrice Valerie Nero, and you're listening to This is the Voice of the Prophet. I have walked in the office of the Prophet since God revealed the anointing he has placed on my life for close to 40 years. This podcast is a new territory that he has assigned me that I pray will be done as God ministers. The purpose of this podcast is to share the Word of God in a prophetic way under the anointing of the Holy Ghost as he ministers and speaks to my spirit as to when he would have me to speak to the listeners, you, his sons and daughters. It's also purpose to invoke open and honest conversation on the things that many people, especially Christians, don't want to talk about, which is racism in the body of Christ. I pray that God will use this podcast to enable us as his sons and daughters to talk about the elephant in the room that for too many years, pastors, teachers, and leaders have tried to sweep under the rug. You can help and support this podcast by telling your friends, families, co-workers, church members, and everyone you know about This is the Voice of the Prophet and how easy it is to tune in through any podcast server through this title. You can also help and support this ministry through your love and prayers. You can reach me with questions and comments by email at amyeagle at charter.net. That's A-M-I-T-E-E-A-G-L-E at C-H-A-R-T-E-R dot net. And finally, you can always reach me at my website at thevoiceoftheprophet.strikingly.com. And remember, if for some reason the podcast doesn't come through or to hear previous episodes, you can always reach This is the Voice of the Prophet on every and any podcast server. Thank you and God bless you. Now let's get into the word that God has for us for this week. Hello, everyone, and welcome to part two of How to Handle the defeat of an enemy. A couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity and honor to minister in a three-day revival at New Birth Ministries in Violet, Louisiana. Truly, the Spirit of God moved in great and mighty ways. My heart, mind, and spirit were filled with His presence. Besides a generous monetary offering, I received a beautiful Brahmin purse and an exquisite gemstone necklace. With such beautiful items, to be quite honest, I was wondering how, where, or when would I have the opportunity to use them. I mentioned this to the woman who chose these gifts for me, and she simply said, wear them with jeans. Now, this woman is someone who looks good in a t-shirt or a croaker sack, not just because of her exquisite taste as shown in the gifts she chose for me, but without exception, Every time I've seen her since I met her when she was a young girl, she's always, always dressed with taste and finesse. Well, as God would have it, the same day I arrived home from the revival, someone called and asked me to speak at a house meeting again here in Louisiana on the 23rd of this month. Of course, I decided to wear my purse and necklace with a pair of jeans. 
Now, please stick with me a while because this story is leading somewhere. Now, since I was pretty sure that the items came from Dillard's, I decided to go there first to see if I could find some jeans in a bright jewel tone color that would be complementary to the necklace. Having other things on my mind, I walked off and forgot the necklace at home. I went to the jewelry department at the Dillard's I went to and explained to the young lady, the sales clerk, about the gift and described it to her, telling her the colors of the stones, showing her where it would come to on my chest, etc., as best I could. I asked her if she might have something. I was hoping similar to what I described to her to the necklace I'd forgotten at home. I just wanted to see something with those bright jewel gemstone colors that I could possibly use to match some jeans to. She immediately went to the cheaper on sale items and started rummaging through some things on a table. I told her just from looking at what she was looking through that I was sure the necklace didn't come from a stock of jewelry like where she was looking and that I was pretty sure that the piece was somewhat pricey. I did tell her it was a gift and that I actually had no idea of what it might cost, but again, because of the size of the necklace, its weight, and the amount of gemstones it carried, it had to be one of their better pieces that wouldn't be laid out on a table. I even pointed to something in one of their display cases to suggest that she would look at that stock. Once again, she went to the cheaper on-sale items on a table and began to rummage. I told her never mind and walked away. I continued to walk around the store hoping to see a pair of jeans that I thought would work with the necklace and purse, but continued to think about the jewelry clerk. It crossed my mind and I could not help but think, would this white clerk have done the same thing with a white woman? I could not leave the store without confronting her with the question and finding out if that was truly the case. Of course, when I went to her in a very calm manner and told her what I was thinking, that after asking her and explaining to her at least twice, if not more, that she insisted on looking places where only the cheaper on-sale jewelry was stopped, and yet I truly wanted to give her the chance to explain. She immediately apologized and of course told me, no, that wasn't what she was thinking, that wasn't the case, and asked me, was there anything else she could do to help me find something close to what I was looking for? Of course, I told her there wasn't and I left the store at least satisfied that I had confronted her. There was no uproar or bumping heads over the matter. And within me, I didn't feel elated or even justified after approaching her, but yet there was a satisfaction of having faced this woman about a perceived racist stereotyping. Now, this was a complete stranger and in actuality, a very minor issue. But what about those stereotyping issues within the walls of the church we've been attending? What about those who we've had to confront 
or come to the knowledge of their bigotry and racism just within the past year or so without question? How do we deal with people that we've loved over the years and now they've come out in the open with their racism? The Jews in the book of Nehemiah had lived among the Gentiles for over 70 years in peace. Of course, there was probably racism there the entire time, but it was not until they began to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem were they openly confronted by their enemies. Again, as stated earlier, as Jesus spoke in Matthew 5, 44, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use and persecute you. For many black and brown Christians, we've attended services with whites for years in peace, but not until we began to stand up for ourselves did the confrontations begin. Not until we begin to openly talk about racism did we find out how many of the people we love are truly racist. Not until we stood up and demanded that the killing of black men, young black boys, and black women stop and be dealt with accordingly were we found to be offensive to our white Christian counterparts. It was not until we openly began to speak out against racism and the racist leaders were we seen as troublemakers and agitators were we then ostracized. Of course, there were other reasons that were given as to why we were ostracized, but the real reason is that they didn't want to be confronted with the race issues. It was only when we began to build, much like the Jews in Nehemiah, were we then seen as enemies and treated as such. Yet, we must continue to love each of these people who we once fellowship with for years in spite of the way that many of them, not all, but many of them have chosen to oppose us. Listen. Loving your enemy does not necessarily mean that you like them. I've said this in previous episodes. I'm sure we all have family members that we truly love, but don't necessarily like. So it is with Christian racists, white supremacists, and bigots. Just because we love some of them doesn't mean that we have to like them or even be around them. Am I advocating leaving your churches? Although I made that decision to leave my church home for the past 15 years, I know I had to hear God in order to make that decision. The Jews rebuilt the walls in order to do exactly that, to leave from among those that hated them. They built the walls to separate themselves from those who hated them and those who kept quiet concerning that hatred. They separated themselves from those who would not stand up for their best interests in a fair and just manner. They separated themselves for protection from those who would even try to hurt and kill them. I am not and would not advocate segregation, but again, I am saying I will not stay in a place where I don't feel that me, my family, my loved ones, 
or other black and brown people are safe emotionally, mentally, physically, or spiritually. Let me put it in another way. Why would I stay in a place where the leadership is only interested in me for the numbers, stability, esteem, credibility, or even finances that I might add to the ministry? and yet not be concerned for the racial attacks against their members in or outside of the walls of the church? Why would I stay in a place where I'm the only one that's accepted and honored when other Blacks, including family members, are not given that same honor and credibility? When a pastor and the leadership refuses to confront their racist, bigoted members in defense of those that they rise up against, something is woefully wrong. But even having said that, I continue to admonish each of us to remember to pray for them, genuinely pray for them and not against them. Remember, we will not stand with the accuser of the brethren, but rather we will be in agreement with the intercessor for the brethren. I'm seeing it more and more. The very things that God spoke to me at the end of 2019, before the pandemic and before the murder of George Floyd, spiritual territories are becoming smaller and being lost. Churches and ministries are being closed while others are growing. And yet there is no joy in seeing these things come to pass. Neither is our father in heaven rejoicing at seeing his sons and daughters losing territories to the true enemy. How can our hearts rejoice over seeing people that we once loved, worshiped, and praised with come to a place in God that he never intended? It brings absolutely no pleasure in seeing ministries split up or shut down, not just because of racism, but for any reason. Now, some would say, oh, it's not because of racism that's causing their churches to close, but finances. But in actuality, if a great portion of the members left taking their tithe and offerings with them because of racism, then it's not the finances that's causing the closure, it's the racism. However, we must continue to pray for these churches and former members, believing God to do what he knows is best. Bless those that curse us. That doesn't mean to give to their causes monetarily or support them. One of the interpretations of the word bless in this scripture is to pronounce a consecratory blessing on. It means to reclaim it for something sacred. In the same way that the word of God has been used to deceive and manipulate people for things and in ways that God never intended, we must reclaim, rededicate, pray consecrated blessings on churches, people, as well as ministries so that they will be used in the ways that God ordained from the beginning. 
The same way with the prayers that we pray for those that despitefully use us. We must pray with pure hearts and be one with the Spirit of God. We must remember again, never stand in agreement with the accuser of the brethren, but always with the intercessor. Bless those that curse us. Pray for those that despitefully use us and do good to those who hate and persecute us. We must do this with pure hearts. And as I always say, when you don't know what or how to pray, allow the Holy Spirit to pray through you. We must learn to pray and remember that while we're praying, that God knows the heart and spirit of those who are praying. When we ask God to forgive us, we must be willing to forgive others and yet use wisdom in those that we choose to be among and around. Nehemiah never gave up his position at the palace, but went back and forth from time to time in order to fulfill his duties with the Jews as well as with the king. So we must decide, do we remain where we are allowing the racism to continue? Do we remain quiet in the places where we are when we know there is systemic racism? Or do we remove ourselves to places of safety? It's your decision and one in which you must hear the voice of God for yourself. I pray that this episode has been enlightening to each of you, and I pray that you will share it with others, encouraging your church members, families, friends, neighbors, and co-workers to listen to the podcast, This is the Voice of the Prophet, on any podcast server. Until next Monday, remember that I am praying for each and every person who listens, asking our Father's blessings and favor upon you. God bless each and every one of you, and thank you so much for listening. For Yourself.